0: Hey folks, thanks for joining us here on Liberty Online. And uh, I hope that you are continuing to be encouraged by uh, the Word and in this series, Transformational Faith, I pray that you're thinking about what it means to to get back to some of the normal function of life as we are processing what it means to to re-enter the world after COVID here, and I want you to know that that we're planning to do that. I want you to stay tuned for some upcoming announcements about what it is that we're going to do as a church to, to try to welcome you back and make you feel safe and continue to create an environment where you can come and be with your friends and your family and worship in a way that glorifies and honors God. If you're interested right now in something that you could be doing for our community, uh, we still can use some cookies, some cereal bars, you know, breakfast bars, those Nutrigrain esque fruit bars, things like that, as well as ramen noodles. We will be distributing those twice a month uh, by partnering with Backyard Ministries. So if you're interested in helping us out with that, I'd love to, to come in to the, see the airlock here at the church full someday because of your faithfulness and generosity. Also, if you're interested in being a part of that ministry in an administrative capacity, I'd like to talk to you about that. So those are the couple of announcements that I have, and I hope that, uh, that you are praying as I asked you to by video. I don't know if all of you have seen it, but um, the next 40 days or so, just take some time each day and pray that God will remind you of all the ways in which he's taken care of you so you could be thankful and also be praying about what it is that God would have you to do as you look into the coming months and years of your life, how you can be impacting uh, the world for Jesus. You know, we're going to enter a uh, story today in the book of Matthew. And it's a transformation that is, again, an instant one, kind of like... Saul into Paul was a couple of weeks ago, we're going to see an interaction between Matthew and Jesus and watch that take shape before our eyes. And I want you to think about what it would have been like for Matthew, who is the actual author of this book, to be guided by the Holy Spirit as he writes these words about his own story. So Matthew is the author of this book, Matthew, And it's about him and his specific story. And so, first off, think about what that would mean for you. If you were going to author your own story, what would you want it to look like? How would you want it to be framed? And how would you want it to be shared? And we have a unique opportunity to look at Matthew today in chapter 9 and see what, through the Holy Spirit's guidance what it is that Matthew says about his conversion to Christianity. And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 is where we're going to start. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, again, this is is much like Saul and Paul, where Jesus shows up and immediately something changes in someone's heart. Matthew hears Jesus say, follow me, and he gets up and he follows him. Now, to understand the dynamic of this, we really have to think about who Matthew was. Where did he come from? What was he about? What was he doing as a tax collector? And all of those things that, that fit into his personality. This same story is told in Mark and Luke as well. So, so both of the other gospels include this story of Matthew being called. And the reason I bring that up is because they refer to Matthew by his Jewish name, Levi. And I thought that is the way to, to express what it is that's going on here. Okay. We have Mark and Luke talking about Levi, this Jewish young man who was born, who was raised, who was cultured in every way as a Jew. And so as we see Levi's story unfold in Mark and Luke, we have to compare it to the the words of Matthew, his own words in Matthew, where he uses his Roman name. And so it's almost like there's two different men. Again, there's Levi, this Jewish fellow that was born into a set of religious rules and followed a different way of living based on the Old Testament and how those laws applied to his life. And this was all still pre-Jesus, right? We got we to remember that, that Jesus hadn't died and was not sacrificed for all of our sins. And then you have Matthew, who is the guy that becomes the Roman piece of this story. You have the Jewish guy, Levi, who's got one foot in that world, and then you've got Matthew, the other part of his, his alter ego, let's say. This is part of what he is becoming. He's now a Roman tax collector. And as part of this, we're going to look into Matthew's history and see what it is that, that God was doing with him as he calls him to follow Jesus. First of all, he's a tax collector. And so he has this new name, Matthew. And it's a Roman given name. He's sitting at a tax collector's booth, which means he is someone of prominence in that world. They would have had him sitting on kind of an elevated platform, probably right next to the sea, because as they came with their merchandise and other things, the things that they were shipping, there would have been a tax that would have been levied upon all of the commerce in that area it would have been a very lucrative position it would have been something that that he would have earned his salary from taking the collection of taxes from his own people uh, as well as the romans that were there he would have been uh, excommunicated it, a lot of folks believe that inside of the roman culture if if you Became a part of the Roman culture, your Jewish culture would then excommunicate you. You wouldn't be able to go into the temple. You wouldn't be able to sacrifice. You wouldn't be able to do those things that kept with your heritage. And so you see this picture of a guy. Remember, Levi, the Jewish guy, and Matthew, the Roman guy, and they're gonna be at odds inside of of Matthew's lifestyle. He would have been, again, born, raised, cultured as a Jew, but he would have taken this position, Matthew would have, inside of the Roman world. And as a result, he might have been excommunicated. He would have spent his time with Gentiles who would have been unclean. He would have done all kinds of things to make him unfit to return to the way of life that he was raised in. Matthew is the man here with a foot in two different worlds. He has his upbringing and his family and his religion and all of those things were Jewish and that's Levi. And then there's Matthew and his Roman connections, his prominence, his position, his job. And he would have had two different worlds that he would have been trying to navigate at any given time. I don't know about you, but but it's difficult enough for me to try to stay focused in one world that I'm in, let alone if my if my life had been divided into two, two halves and, and some of that we've faced this past year, right? As we think about the life that that we saw unfolding before us and then we see the reality of what COVID has done, we feel this tension and I believe it existed inside of Matthew's life. That as he sits there and collects these taxes, he understands that he's a man that's divided. The beauty of it is that with two words, follow me. Jesus intersects Matthew's worlds, both of the worlds, and he calls him out of both of those worlds. He calls him to the best life that he could have. He says, follow me, and he calls him into yet another place, a place where Jesus was calls him out of the two worlds, his Jewishness, his Romaness, It says, let's leave all that behind and follow me. Leave your tradition, leave your, your instincts, leave your upbringing, leave all of those things behind. Leave your job, leave your wealth, leave your prominence. Those worlds don't mean as much as following me. As Matthew sits at this table, I'm sure that that he kind of knew who Jesus was. He would have been a man that would have been around town and involved in different things. And, And Matthew hears those words, follow me, as Jesus calls him into a world that was going to be focused on eternal value, not on the temporal world of sacrificial systems and religion, and not on the temporal world that was based in my position, my income, my my place in society. No, Jesus called Matthew out of those things into a much more valuable place, one that had eternal value. Matthew gives up his heritage. He gives up his position. He gives up his place inside of the Jewish community, and he gives up his Roman position as well, all in an instant to follow Jesus. In verse 10, we see that not only did Matthew follow him, but but instantly in one verse, we we see that, that Jesus is now having dinner at Matthew's house. So Matthew's whole world now is Jesus. He's opened himself up to be used by Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So let's unpack this a little bit first, okay? Matthew, again, a man in two totally different worlds, his Jewishness, his Romanness, all of those things, Jesus says, follow me. And now Matthew opens his home because Matthew had unique access to a lot of people. Matthew was a guy that knew a lot of people and a lot of people knew him. And and as Jesus called him into that world of eternal value, Matthew said, folks, you gotta see this. This is something that that I can't explain. You need to listen to Jesus is. I'm following him. And so he opens his home and a lot of people show up and it's about life change. It's about his specific life change. He would have left behind, again, the religious trappings of of Judaism, but he also would have left behind the lucrative income that he had through being a tax collector. And so all of the people that knew Matthew now were interested in this change that Matthew was undergoing. So Matthew opens his home and he invites these folks. And so I'm going to take both of these these names as the Pharisees use them and as it's used inside of this. There's tax collectors and there's sinners. And then there's the third group, the Pharisees. I wanna articulate a little bit about who was in this room that Matthew had followed Jesus for eternal value and invited tax collectors, sinners, and Pharisees into his home specifically to be with Jesus. Now, tax collectors um, would have meant that that they were stuck. They were a people that without a country in a lot of ways. Yes, they were they were inside the Roman camp because they had a job with Rome and they were probably secure. But they weren't Roman necessarily, and they weren't Jewish anymore because the Jews would have turned their back on them and excommunicated them. And so, these other tax collectors that that. Matthew invites would have felt the same tension in a lot of ways that Matthew had, that that they had been living their life for a temporary reason. The only reason you would have become a tax collector is because you could make a lot of money by overcharging people on their taxes and profiting what you didn't have to put back into the government. So Matthew and these other tax collectors would have been lining their pockets basically by stealing from people. They would have been doing this for who knows how long. And they were kind of, a, a like I said, a man without a country. They didn't really belong in any of these worlds. People knew exactly what they were about, but you couldn't do much about it at the time. You either paid the tax or you didn't. And to, to do your business in that world, it was necessary. So the tax collectors were one group of people, probably better known as thieves, or, or definitely uh, a group of unsavory folks. Sinners. Sinners is a big category, right? Because we are all sinners. For all have sinned and can fall short of the glory of God, right? That's what, that's what the scriptures tell us. But specifically inside of this category, I want you to think about the, the folks that were outside of Judaism, for one that there were people there that that would have been outside of the religious context altogether. They would have been Gentiles. They would have been maybe Roman citizens, people from the town that they were in in this moment, near Capernaum, uh, near the Sea of Galilee. They would have been Gentiles. It would have been people like you and me that that didn't know anything about Judaism, hadn't been born Jewish, and, and had lived their life maybe without any... Context of religion at all. And so you got these tax collectors who are probably thieves and, and people disgruntled with them all the time, but they're a very wealthy group. And then you've got the Gentiles, you've got these, these sinners, these people that are outside of the religious context of all of the world. Um, they wouldn't have even known much about what Jesus was doing there, even. They probably would have been unattached to him uh, in a lot of ways. It would have been a lot like us until we find ourselves uh, brought in by the message of Paul into this. And then there's the third group that is here as well, which is funny to me that the Pharisees are there because I'm not sure that Matthew invited them. (laughs) My guess is that they were following Jesus as they always did, looking for a way to trap him, trying to pin him down, get him to say something that they could harm him for. And so the Pharisees show up and these are the religiously affiliated people of the day. If you're looking for the high ranking official inside of the church at this moment, this would be the Pharisees. They'd be the church folks. And so you've got this really broad spectrum of people. And the uniqueness of this situation to me is that, that Matthew brings all of them to his house. Somehow, again, I don't know that the Pharisees were invited, but, but, but Jesus wanted them there anyway. So you've got these tax collectors, the thieves, the, the miscreants, and then you've got the sinners, these people that are outside of religious context at all. And then you've got the church folks, all of these people sitting together in Matthew's house. And all Matthew wants is for everyone to meet Jesus. That's what he's about. Remember, he's sitting in a tax collecting booth in the middle of this area, collecting his livelihood, a very lucrative one. And Jesus just says, follow me. And the word says he got up and he followed him. Jesus had impacted Matthew's life in that one moment so much so that, that Matthew thought it was gonna be that way for everybody that Jesus met. That if they can just meet Jesus. So he, he opens his home and he has Jesus come in and you've got these tax collectors, sinners, Pharisees. You've got all these folks that, that Matthew wants to meet Jesus. The religious folks, though, <laughs> want to know why. They want to know why Jesus is here. Why, are we, why is Jesus eating with these unclean people? Because as a religious faction, we wouldn't dare join this group of people, the tax collectors and the sinners. And yet Matthew and Jesus puts the tax collectors, the sinners and the pharisees altogether. That's why this this story is so impactful because when Jesus explains this this why do your t- why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners he's talking to the pharisees as well. Because they may have thought they were okay and Jesus wanted to kind of say you're not okay because your hearts are far from me. Matthew chapter nine, verses 12 and 13. The stage is set, room full of people for Jesus to meet. And he hears the question, right? Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call the right for I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. The Pharisees would have been asking the question, but everybody in the room would have been paying attention because that's why Matthew invited them, right? Matthew wanted them all to hear the words of Jesus. And he tells them very plainly that there are some sick people in our world, that there are some people that that are lost in our world. They're not healthy, right? Doesn't mean that that they're unrepairable or untreatable or unreachable. They're just lost. They don't have any bearings. And especially inside of what has gone on in our world lately, you have come across some folks, I'm sure, that that just seem to not have any bearings. They don't know where what's going on. He says specifically that the healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick. and The sick and the lost in our world are chasing the world in a manner of speaking, they're they're chasing what Matthew was, whether it would be the religious systems inside of his Jewish born heritage, or whether it would have been the lucrative career inside of the Roman society. These lost people, Matthew knew he was one of them. Just a, a, a moment ago, he was sitting at a table in Capernaum, bringing in the money, foot in two different worlds, but he was strained and he was lost. He had lost all, really, all identity. And Jesus just says, follow me. And he makes it clean. It's about me is what he's saying. Inviting him into health, uh, allowing him to see that that you can't be uh, righteous on your own and you cannot Take care of your own self enough financially to prevent things from happening to you. You need salvation. Now, as I thought about this specifically, the body, the bride, the church, to me, is a picture of this. It's something that we need to really wrestle with. When Jesus calls one of us individually to be following him, we join a larger group, the collective group of the universal church, all the people around the world that celebrate who Jesus is. They all follow him. And then we, we have a local church context. We, we become part of the local body, the bride, the church here, and, and we follow together. We're following individually, just like Matthew did when he got up, but we're also going to follow corporately together because that's the most important thing that we could do. Matthew wanted everybody to hear what he heard in Jesus's voice that there are people who need to hear who Jesus is. Now, as we look at that second phrase, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, I believe he's talking specifically to the Pharisees that he has turned his attention like you need to go study this. You need to go back to the book of Hosea, which he's quoting, and, and look at what it meant to have mercy as opposed to sacrifice. Your own righteousness and the sacrifices you make to be a Pharisee and you keep all the rules and you do everything right. And, and when are people going to notice that I'm doing everything right? That is sacrifice, maybe. But why do you do it? Is it motivated by mercy? Do you understand that that there's a world out there that needs mercy? He's looking at these Pharisees and saying, I desire you to have mercy on people. Invite them into a relationship with God. That's what Jesus was here to do. To be like Jesus is to be merciful to be like Jesus is to be merciful. That's why Jesus is in this context. He's showing mercy to people that are not well, that need help, that need health and vitality to return to their life. Jesus is there to extend mercy. He's not there to judge them sacrifice is the going through the motions and acting righteous if jesus were to walk around and and just be the perfect person that he was without mercy it wouldn't have done any good that was the difference that matthew heard when he heard jesus say follow me he knew something was different that jesus had something for him and had something for our whole world. And so Matthew fills his house full of tax collectors, sinners, Pharisees, all of them to hear this message that I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And how do we apply what it is God is doing in our lives? Not not to tell other people how right we are, but to say, man, can you believe how merciful my God is in my life? If God has called you to faith in Jesus, just like he did Matthew, if God has called you to faith, then the most important thing that you can do is show Jesus to others. To live the story that God is writing through you. To go all the way back to the beginning. Remember, Matthew is the author of this particular story. I could have looked in Mark and Luke and and we we would have seen their stories paralleled almost exactly this. But the uniqueness of this one is that Matthew is the author of the book. And Matthew is writing the story of his interaction with Jesus. What it looked like, what it felt like, and how he responded to the gospel. If you've been called into a relationship with Jesus, if you, in the quietness of your own heart, have heard him say, follow me, trust me, love me. If that's your story, then tell other people about it. Like Matthew here, encapsulated. It's not a very long story, right? Introduce people to Jesus. Make sure that your story is something that, that brings other people to Jesus, that it includes mercy, that you say, man, I'm so thankful for what God has done in my life that I just want to tell you about him. I want to invite you to my home, and I want you to sit down, and I want to show you Jesus. It's an amazing transformation from sitting on a pedestal in the middle of a square, basically with the intent and purpose to steal from people, to a few verses later, filling his home with people who needed to talk to Jesus and making that introduction. As a church, we need to hear this. That this is what we're supposed to be about. That that as Jesus talks specifically to the Pharisees, I believe, about mercy and not sacrifice. It's not about, well, you know, I did go to church every week and, and I do the right thing. But do you have mercy on people? Do you introduce them to the one who gave you mercy and grace and salvation? It's an opportunity for us to think about what it is that we get to do as we live out the story that God is writing with our lives. I wanna pray for you today that that you would take a moment and, and write it down. I've encouraged you to do this a number of times. Tell your story, write it down. Invite somebody over to your house that you care about and just tell them about the mercy of God. Father, you have been so good to us. Even in the midst of all of these trying times and these painful moments that have been brought about by the pandemic, I know that you have done things that that have opened our hearts in a new and different way. And and you've shown your mercy in in a different way to our world as you've held back what this could have looked like. Lord, I pray that, that like Matthew, we would, we would listen to your voice, that we would hear that voice say, follow me. That as we've come to faith in you, I pray that we would listen well and that we would write our story down, that we would live out that story that you are writing with my life. Lord, I pray that you would draw others closer to you as a result of us as a church, understanding how to do this in a way that glorifies and honors you in such a divided world. Lord, I pray for what this story can do to impact hearts and minds for generations. Lord, thank you for including it in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.